I'm going to meet you on Zoom, but even on Zoom, I will meet you only twice, right? But in the other times, the rest of the 23 and a half hours, give me something which will help me educate my colleagues and make an informed decision. Welcome to the State of Sales Enablement Podcast with your host, Felix Kruger. Insights and actionable advice from B2B marketing and sales experts that share what it takes to achieve sales enablement excellence. Our guest in this week's episode is the founder and CEO of a seed stage startup in the sales tech space that truly punches above its weight. His no-nonsense approach and a deep niche specialization has earned his sales content management platform a spot in a marketplace that features VC-funded juggernauts. In our conversation, we shine light on the role content plays in modern B2B sales, common misconceptions, and how to use content to lead sales conversations in a new hybrid world. Please welcome the founder and CEO of Enablex, Gaurav Harodi. Gaurav, welcome to the State of Sales Enablement podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Felix. It's awesome to have you here. We met quite a while ago, really randomly, on the Sales Enablement Society Forum, I think. Yeah. It's funny how those connections happen. And we've had quite a bit of exchange over the time, just because there's a whole lot of overlap between the things that we do. And yeah, great to finally have you on the show and talk about sales enablement. Same here. Yeah. And I think the connection has been great and looking forward to collaboration and learning from you and your network. So looking forward to this. Awesome. So Gaurav, to share with our audience, what is your background and what do you do now? Sure. So my background, my professional background is in, it started out in engineering, but very quickly moved to product management, product marketing, and customer success roles. And then since 2010, I have been in sales support roles. You can call them sales enablement, but they were more sales consulting and sales enablement, like a mixture of sales consulting and sales enablement. Did that for startups, for larger organizations like Oracle, and then started my company, like a sales enablement software company, Enablex, since 2017. Awesome. And you're now the founder and CEO of the company, and you guys have also recently raised investment, right? Yes. We started out with the idea of bootstrapping it, and we bootstrapped it for three years, and then... From the learnings of the market, we had one vision, but then, you know, the market is king and the market drew us, pushed us to another sort of channel. And so we raised the seed round in 2021. Yeah. Awesome. Now you guys, it's a technology platform. What do you guys solve? Like what sort of problem do you guys solve with Enablex? So sales enablement is such a broad term and that's one of my frustrations with sales enablement because I think. It's time that sales enablement should have its own like subcategories as their own primary categories because sales enablement includes training. Some people would argue that sales enablement tools like Gong and Chorus AI, they help with sales enablement. And then there is also the content part of sales enablement. So we, we like to call ourselves as sales content enablement software. So we address the content management part of sales enablement, right from managing the content, sharing the content, tracking engagement. So everything that goes with content enablement is what Enablex does. 
Tell us, why does content even matter these days in B2B sales? Some might argue, okay, I've got my couple of slide decks, my go-to slide decks that I use on a day-to-day -day basis. What's the relevance and the significance of content these days in B2B sales? I think it was maybe like six, seven years ago, there was a study that was done and then the findings of that study were shared across the internet that the buyer is already 70% into the decision-making process before they contact with the vendor, right? I think with the explosion of digital content and everybody investing in so-called content, I think the buyer is educated, but I don't think they are anywhere near like 70% decision-making process, right? I think they have identified, don't get me wrong, like they have identified who the players are, but they are also like equally very confused of why they should go with player A, vendor A versus vendor B or vendor C. So that's where content comes into picture. Uh, that's number one. The second thing is that buyers are also not only looking for nowadays, even though there is so much software as a service help, buyers are truly looking for, are they going to get the right customer success and customer experience? And that's another place where content comes into picture. So if I am in healthcare industry and I am looking for a sales enablement software, I may be asking for, hey, do you have any experience with dealing with the challenges that healthcare providers deal with, right? So that's another place where content comes into picture. So it's not that content was never important, but I think it has become all the more important because good content can differentiate you your brand from your buyer's brand, because otherwise everything is just similar. Every car looks the same from outside and the right information can make a huge difference when selecting which car you really want from the dealership. Yeah, yeah. I think that's an awesome insight. I think from my perspective, also what I see more and more is that considering the limited face time you have these days as a salesperson, like you move remote, which not only physically moved you further away from the clients, but also in the mind of the client, you get less face time. The kind of information that you deliver, the advice that you deliver becomes less impactful yeah. suddenly, you know, because you're just one out of 10 Zoom calls in a day and content can really fill that gap and provide value outside of the sales meeting. And I think Gartner also had a study that said these days only 17% of time during the buying process is spent in face-to-face -face meetings yeah and considering that limited time that you have available the remaining 83 percent are spent just with the buying committee yeah and how do you make an impact then so i think what you're saying about the relevance of content is spot on there i was just reading before this session about is it the death of the theaters right like with all these streaming channels available are the theaters going to go out of business? And most likely they are eventually, they are going to go out of business. And I think what has happened with COVID and with the pandemic is that it's almost like a similar effect that once you get used to Netflix and Amazon Prime, do you really want to like go and watch a TV? Yeah, maybe like one off, like where there is a 3D movie or like a next Avengers movie you want to absorb the experience for, but what most of the sales the buyer also doesn't want to, they themselves don't want to come to the office and they have no interest in like meeting the vendors at the office. So it's almost like, I wouldn't go as far as saying that content has to be self-served. So a lot of people profess that. I don't think that's the case, but people want to be served and people want that content 
with minimal effort. Mm, exactly. So I'm going to meet you on Zoom, but even on Zoom, I will meet you only twice, right? But in the other times, the rest of the 23 and a half hours, give me something which will help me educate my colleagues and make an informed decision. That's right. And there's a whole lot of vendors now in the sales content space. There's pitches for sales content left, right, and center these days. I think it's the second big content wave after the content marketing wave. It's the sales content wave. Yeah. What are some of the myths that you currently come across surrounding sales content? I think the one of the myths for smaller companies, the myth is that we don't have enough content, right? And my mantra is that, and what we have seen is that if you are selling, you have content. You may not have it in the right format, in the branded format, in the right sort of like nice buttoned up way, but you just don't realize that you have content. But if you are selling, you have content because it's very hard to sell without content unless you are selling like a $5 a month kind of like just some B2B self-service thing. Most of the places you have content. I think the second myth is focused on quantity versus quality. There is a quantity versus quality debate. We come from an age where we think that salesers want a ton of content. That's not actually the case. You want better quality content. A lot of the content that gets generated, it's useful for certain stages, but may not be useful for like sales enablement. And then the third myth is that I think we are slowly going away, similar to what we talked about watching movies in theaters versus I think if somebody sends me or even internally at Enablex, we talk about it. If there is a slide deck that is more than 10 slides long, you are already pushing the limits. So we come across like customers prospects, they will say, oh, this is our like introductory deck. And there would be like 30 slides into it. Nobody cares about those 30 slides. It's one thing to walk your customer through those slides is another thing to share. You need to be very specific. It's almost like when you share a map, then you put an arrow and say, hey, here is where Melbourne is, right? You almost need that kind of approach. Like you need to point out, like people write like 20 page white papers. I mean, nobody cares about 20 page white papers. Nobody reads, nobody has an attention span. If people don't read like more than three lines of WhatsApp message, people ignore it, right? So I think that the granularization of content so that it hits the mark is really important. And people don't realize that people create content for the sake of creating content. There are very few places where long form content actually is useful if it is serving a specific purpose, right? Like, hey, how to implement Salesforce integration with Enablex and there are like 10 steps. Yeah, you cannot like break it apart. But in other cases, you need to be able to Buyer enablement, at which people talk about sales enablement, one part of buyer enablement is not just sharing the content, but sharing the content and then highlighting that, hey, on page seven, we talked about this, this, and this problem. On page seven, we discussed that problem. So that is, you are enabling your buyer, you're saving your buyer's time so that they can get to the right place, right? And People tend to forget that in the content game, right? Like it's still quantity. It's still, I need 50 pages versus two pages. Yeah. I would even go as far as saying the problem from my point of view isn't necessarily the content length, but it's the content relevance. Yeah. 
I do think you can have this lot of long form content that buyers are hungry for, Yeah. but there's very few vendors that actually talk about the issues that buyers truly care about, right? If you provide content that talks about how to really solve a business problem and that person consuming the content is going to lose its job if he or she doesn't solve their problem, trust me, they will read 40 pages or they will sit through a two hour presentation. But I think what's missing very often is a lack of a buyer acumen. So understanding the buyer and also a lack of understanding of the industry that they're operating in. Yeah. And I think also during the sales process, education is sometimes in the sales process, more summarized format than when they are a customer. So if I'm your customer, I would be more open to reading more detailed things because now we are in this like professional relationship where I'm using your services or product and I want the best out of it. Whereas when I'm in the sales process, I'm looking at your organization and your offering and I'm comparing it with three, four other offerings. So at that time, we have seen like certain scenarios where you could share a two minute video or you could share a five second GIF file. They do the same job. Right, like they answer the same question that the buyer has. I'm not saying that long form content is irrelevant. It's just that when you are in the sales cycle, the buyer is trying to like not check box but confirm. Yeah, these things exist or these things are there. But because they are dealing with so many vendors, you don't need much. We have an Outlook plugin, and we used to have a three minute video, and we replaced that with a 12 second GIF and. It performs way better than the three minute video because it just gets the point across, right? Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, if they convert into customer, we could use the three minute video to dig more deeper into it. But if the buyer is saying, hey, do you integrate with Outlook, right? The 13, 15 second Griff not only tells them yes, but it also gives them that experience of how it looks, right? It's enough, like 15 seconds. Okay. I get what you do it. So that's where I think that you can create a lot of like useful content for less, in my opinion, and be equally more impactful. Got it. Got it. Now, in terms of the dynamics within organizations, there's oftentimes a hold of people involved in creating content. Yep. Majority of the time it would be marketing, but there might be different stakeholders within marketing. Then you have subject matter experts. You might have sales engineers that are contributing. You might have... IT looking after the content platform and content might be living in different places. What sort of dynamics do you observe that stop organizations from succeeding in their internal setup with sales content? Yeah, I think one of the problems that organizations face is that when they think about sales enablement and content, they mostly, they only think about marketing and sales, right? This is like every deal, every prospect, if we ask them, hey, whether it's for pricing or sizing up the deal, they would be like, oh, we are like marketing and sales, we are 40 people. What they don't realize is that their sales team works with a lot of other groups within the organization and you can't just exclude them, right? Like if I'm working with a product management team or even the product engineering team, yeah, they may not need the sales content that often, but they need access to the sales content so that everybody's on the same page, right? Because 
as you said, like there could be architecture diagrams, there could be security audit documents that is coming from the IT team. And it may be only five documents, but they are like really important documents, right? Like these are like bottom of the funnel. The company is going to choose you and they say, are you SOC compliant? Do you have done vulnerability testing? What is your GDPR policy? How do you store data? So you cannot like just shut off one part of the organization. So that's, I think, one of the challenges we see. The second challenge is that I just don't think that customer success oriented content, like customer success has so much content, so much information that can make so much material impact in the sales process, right? So it's like, if I am a buyer, if you can tell me what the first hundred days would look like after I sign the deal, that is like gold, right? If you can tell me what resources you need from my team, how much time, so it's not just your product, but you are going to require my team to invest their energy into it. If you can tell me who other departments I would be dependent with, if you can highlight what kind of challenges I would face, and all that content is coming from customer success. Like companies are really good at like using customer success content from customer A and using it for B, C, and D but they are not able to funnel that content from A into the sales process because I think for middle of the funnel and bottom of the funnel, that would be really useful. Now, for those listeners who are really keen to learn more about sales content, how to do a better job in producing and managing sales content, what sort of resources can you recommend them looking into? So I think it's interesting because we find that there aren't that many places where this thing is discussed it is discussed in communities, but it is discussed in like a more like a disorganized fashion, right? Like, so there is like a sales enablement society is there, sales enablement collective community is there, the product marketing alliance is there. And it could be like one of the Slack channels or one of the, hey, what content do you create for this kind of thing process? So I don't think this topic has been discussed in detail. And I would say that like, Sales Enablement Society, I think, fast forward team, like you guys have invested in this and I have seen some of the material where you go into like, okay, what does this content asset mean? How it should be organized and stuff like that. But generally there aren't any like one source. I would say maybe like Sales Enablement Society would be that source if I were to say that there is one source there. Okay. Awesome, Gaurav. Thank you so much. If people want to learn more about your work and what you guys do at Enablex, where can they find you online and where can they connect with you to continue the conversation? Yeah, so you can find us on enablex.com or on LinkedIn. You can look up my name or go to our company page. And yeah, looking forward to any questions or feedback that the community has. Awesome. Thank you so much, Gaurav. Thanks for having me. Next time on the State of Sales Enablement. A lot of these partners have thousands of products that they sell. The most challenging thing about partner enablement is trying to merge all of those streams into this great, highly functioning, mindshare superstar. <laughs>